thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Good morning once again. Take your Bibles out and turn them to John chapter 11. John chapter 11, that's where we will be looking from and studying from here in just just a moment. John chapter 11. Our lesson today is hashtag trying to be cool here, you know, hashtag BFF, which means what? Best friends forever. Ron knew it faster than anybody. Ron is Mr. Hip and knows the language of the kids right here. All right. Uh, Best friends forever. I think that there is nothing uh, that kind of sums up what our relationship with God and Jesus should be any greater than that statement. Best friends forever, Jesus. That if you are a child of God, if you are a faithful child, you know that Jesus is my friend. He's going to be there with me. And that's not just for this life. It's for all of eternity. So that idea of him being my best friend forever really is true. But this morning, I want us to take a few moments and look at a a story that we're very familiar with, a story that you've probably heard taught and preached in a lot of different ways, in a lot of different moments, uh, a lot of different lessons with a lot of different uh, viewpoints. But look at it from the idea of Jesus as our friend this morning. And and some, some thoughts that we can gather, seven thoughts that we can gather of ways that Jesus is our best friend. And I'll tell you, like I told uh, the first service with seven points, it's either going to go really quick or we're going to be here for a long time. So if we are here longer than you want to be, just raise your hand. Randy, you're not allowed to do that because um, Randy would start now. He'd be like, let's go. Uh, so uh, we're going we're to get through this as quickly as we can, but uh, in, in doing justice to the passage as well. So, so what are some ways that Jesus is our best friend this morning? Well, we start with this idea that he wants to perfect you, not pamper you. Jesus wants to perfect you, not pamper you. Let's go to our passage and read together the first few verses of chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. It says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sick will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Let's let's talk about some things together for just a moment about this uh, very beginning. Uh, Jesus is your friend, okay? And and we all love friends who give us attention and who who do what's best for us. You know, the, the people that you tend to love the most are the ones that take care of you the most. Would you agree with that? The people that you you love the most are the people that tend to take care of you and meet your needs the most. But in this particular story, we see a very interesting kind of conversation or a statement that's made in verse 3. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, I believe and you believe that Jesus loves everybody, but it's interesting that in Scripture, only a handful of people carry the, the title or, or, or the phrase, Jesus loved them. Or, or, you know, you've got the apostle that Jesus loved. Here you've got uh, the one that Jesus loved. And this is going to be mentioned of his sisters here in a little while as well. But it seems like these sisters had this idea that they are friends with the Son of God. That should come with some benefits, correct? 
I mean, if Jesus is truly the Son of God and He's my best friend in real life, like I'm marrying Martha and Lazarus, and, and like He is my best friend and He's able to do all these things and, 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 and heal people and do all this stuff, shouldn't being friends with Jesus come with some pampering benefits? That's what they're thinking. And Jesus says, as you look at the next verse, the idea is not that he pampers you is that he wants something greater, something better for you. He says, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son might be glorified through it. And I want you to know this morning that God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they want you to have this great relationship with them. But the purpose of that relationship is so that they might be glorified, so that your life might shine a light on them. And here's the thing, when we live our life that way, when we live a life, that shines a light on Jesus, when we live a life that gives Him glory, we're going to be blessed by that. It's not, we're not always going to be pampered. It's still not always going to be roses. But He wants to, us to have a life. And, and how does He say it? He says, I have come so that you may have life and have it what? More abundantly. So that there's more to your life. There's a greater purpose to your life. There's a greater calling to your life. And He said that this guy's not going to die. And, 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 what, and what I think He means here is, his life is not over. Obviously, Lazarus dies, correct? Obviously, from the story, he dies. But think what he's saying is his life's not over. He still has great purpose for the glory of God, and so do we in our life. He does not want to pamper us, but he wants to perfect us. He wants, he wants us to take our life and elevate it by his standards in many ways. Let's keep going here. The next thing I want you to see here is that he laid his life on the line for you. Jesus laid his life on the line for you. And this is kind of an interesting part of the story. It's almost a foretelling, if you will. You can tell that, that his followers, his apostles that are right there with him, those are the closest to him, they realize at this point something bad's going to happen to Jesus. I don't think they get the whole story. I don't think they get the whole idea. They don't get the importance of all of it. But they understand that these people that are after Jesus, they're going to get him eventually. But he lays his life down for you. Look at this. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was, was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? So they understood this is a bad place. Tensions are getting high for Jesus. Jesus answered, Are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. Go to the next slide. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, and I'm going to go there and wake him up. So he, he, he understands, everybody understands that there's fixing to come a time that Jesus is going to die. Now, for us as Christians, for us as Christians, we understand that this was not a trivial death, don't we? We understand that this death carried power, that this death carried weight, that this death carried the opportunity for us to be forgiven. It carries the opportunity for us to be saved. It carries the opportunity for us to be a part of this family. And it all happens because Jesus found us worthy enough to lay his own life down. John 15 and verse 13, the greatest love a person can show is to die for his friends. And that is what Jesus did for us. Like I said, I don't think his apostles understood what was really going on, what the end game was at this point, but they knew that there was going to come a time that Jesus' life 
was going to be taken. They just didn't realize that his life would be taken so that we can live. Let's keep going here. Uh, the next thing I want you to think about is he initiates the opportunity for friendship. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get, uh, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, let us go that we may die with him. Thomas kind of has a smart aleck comment here, uh, a, a remark of um, he realizes, hey, if we all go, what are we all probably going to end up doing? We're probably going to end up dead just like Lazarus. But I want you to back up. And this is what Jesus wants for you in your life. This is how he, he says, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. Jesus has an opportunity or has the, the Jesus has the habit of opening up doors and creating moments that force us to dig deeper, that force us to open our minds and thoughts to maybe thoughts we didn't have, understandings we didn't have. He, he, he finds ways to help us deepen our faith. He initiates deeper relationships with us. Anytime you go through a struggling moment, anytime you go through a challenging moment and you get to the other side of that, you turn around and you realize that Jesus was there. Jesus was helping you. Jesus was, was seeing you through this. He initiated the opportunity for that friendship because he wants you to believe in him more. He wants you to have a deeper faith in him. He wants you to live a more authentic life. Let's go on to the next idea here. He promises we will get through difficult times. He promises we will get through difficult times. Um, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God would give you whatever you ask. She understands there's something greater at play here, I believe. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. One of the things about Jesus, he doesn't promise us that our life is going to be easy. Although some guys like to teach that, some guys like to preach that, follow Jesus and your life's going to be great and grand. We all know that in our Christian life that we've had challenges and difficulties. It's never going to be always easy. But what he does promise us is that we'll never go through it alone. We're always going to have someone right there with us. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10, he says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. This is my favorite part. But he says, And God is faithful. He's not going to let you be tempted or, or struggle beyond what you can bear. And that's an interesting phrase to me because I know a lot of people that will look at that and they go, well, that's not true. I have dealt with this and this and I just felt crushed by it. But I, my response to that is, did you really lean into Jesus? Did you really lean into your church family? Or did you try to deal with it all by yourself? He's not going to allow you to deal with more than you can bear. He's going to put people and family and loved ones right there with you to help you. But you've got to decide to let them help. And those are the people that are standing there as the arms of Jesus, as the hearts of Jesus, as the shoulders to cry on of Jesus. We're never going to have to go through things alone. We're going to have a way through it. 
and I feel like Martha gets that. Martha gets that now that Jesus is here, it's gonna be okay. We're going to get to the other side of this. She kind of has an idea maybe in her mind of what she wants and what's gonna happen and what's gonna go on, but, but she's there. We have this promise that he's gonna get us through difficult times. But here's the next thing. He offers you eternal life for believing in him. He offers you eternal life for believing in him. Um, well, let's read, then I wanna show you something neat. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. Mary heard this and got up quickly and went to him. All the kids in the room, I want you to stand up. If you were born after, if you were born after the year 2010, stand up. If you were born after the year of 2010, stand up. After, they're all like, why are we standing up? I want you to look around. Collins, that's you too. You stand up too. Okay, look around at all, all these little kids that we've got. Okay? One of the articles, y'all can sit down now. One of the articles that I read not too long ago talked about how medicine is progressing to the point that kids born in that generation... Okay, kids who were born in that generation could possibly live to be 150 years old. 150 years old. How many of you, I had a granddaddy, he said, my goal was 115, but I'll settle for 112. That's a long time, isn't it? One of the things that we, we, we grab onto and we hold onto and we try to make last as long as possible is our health, isn't it? Why? Because of everything in the world, we want to live. Would you agree with that? that it is just within our nature that we want to live. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that because there's a lot of things to enjoy in this life. There's a lot of things to enjoy in this life. But Paul puts it in perspective. He says, for me to live is what? For Christ, but to die is to gain, is for my gain. He understood that God offers us eternal life. Eternal life. 150 years seems like a long time. But as a child of God, if you believe in him and, and you do what he asks you to do, if you become a Christian, he promises you this life is not all that there is. The, 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 the momentary trials, the hardships, the, the, the greatness, even the greatness of it. He goes, this is not all there is to live for. That while you're here, yes, it's great. Yes, it's wonderful. But if you believe in me, if you believe in me, I've got something even greater in store for you. And I know for some of us, for some of us, that thought, I mean, I mean, yes, we understand the idea, the concept of, hey, I'm a Christian, I'm gonna spend eternity with God, but I don't think we ever sit down, at least I think the younger we are, the, the less we do this, the less we just sit and contemplate eternity with God and the magnificence of that and how, how wonderful it is to know that regardless of what I deal with here today, that I can be assured eternity awaits. Eternity with God forever and ever and ever. And then when I think I finally grasped the idea forever, it just keeps going. 
I get to spend that time with God. And the reason that I get to do that is because Jesus loves me and Jesus loves you. And we see an outpouring of that love of emotion in Jesus that we don't ever really see anywhere else in Scripture. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Let's stop right here, though, in verse 35 and 36. I want you to know this morning that this is an amazing image of Jesus. There is, there's a fine line to try to understand about Jesus. On one hand, Jesus was, is, always has been God. There, I heard somebody say that one time that Jesus was a God, but no, Jesus is God. John clears that up as plain as he can in the first chapter of this book of John. But on the other hand, Jesus decided to empty himself of his godliness. Um, very similar uh, concept. Uh, I, 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 I kind of dabble in keeping up with some of the British royal family stuff because I started watching The Crown and kind of got interested in, in, in what they're all about and who's in charge and the lineage and all this stuff. And, um, how many of you watched the Oprah interview with Harry and Meghan? So only like three of you are willing to admit that you did it. The rest of you are just kind of, I'm not going to admit it. But I, I watched it. One of the things that they did, though, is they recused themselves of all their royal duties, basically. They stepped down. Is he still a prince? Is he still the grandson to the queen, the, the son to the future king, and the brother to the king after that? Yes, he is still all of those things. But he said, I am stepping away from the benefits of all of that, from the responsibilities of all of that, and I'm just going to be a normal guy. A normal guy who, my favorite part, only has $40 million in his bank account. They were talking about how big of a stretch that was going to be. I wish I had that challenge. Jesus did the same thing. Jesus said, I'm going to leave the throne room and the benefits of the throne room, and I'm just going to become normal. And sometimes it's hard to balance the God Jesus and the human Jesus, because there was a part of Jesus in a period of time that was just as human as you and I. And sometimes that's hard to grasp. But here is a moment that we really see that a moment where Jesus is brokenhearted because of his love for someone. I mean, the only words that the Holy Spirit could use in this moment was Jesus wept. And I think in the simplicity of that, we understand the weight of that moment. But I want you to know something this morning. 
that the same Jesus that cried for his friend Lazarus cries for you. It's the same Jesus that rejoices when you rejoice. It's the same Jesus who gets frustrated when you get frustrated. Jesus loves you and is connected with you. And I want you to know that this morning, above everything else and anything else, that you have a Savior who is your friend, and not just your friend, but who loves you this morning more than you can ever imagine. And then we finish with the climax of the story. And that is Jesus is the only one who can truly set you free. And this is, I thought about just preaching about this this morning, but I wanted to share other things with you as well. Jesus, once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he, when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. What an amazing finish to this story. But here's the imagery I want you to understand about this. Let's go back to our point here because I want you to see it. Jesus is the only one who can truly set you free. I want you to think of this image of Lazarus coming out of the tomb. Lazarus coming out of the tomb with these grave clothes all wrapped around him. He looks kind of like a mummy. He's, he's got all this stuff dragging him. He's got all this stuff hindering him. He's alive, but he's not living yet. You know what I mean? Like he's just come back from the dead. And he still looks like he's of the dead. And Jesus says, hey, take the grave clothes off so that he can live. Sin does that to us. Sin separates us from God. Sin keeps us in the grave and in, 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 in death in a spiritual way. But Jesus has come and looked at you and said, hey, through your belief, because of my love, because of my sacrifice and because of your commitment, hey, take the grave clothes off. And I want you to know this morning that you have the ability, you have the, the, the Savior that wants you to live life and live it more abundantly. I just wonder... And I'm sure he did. Do you think Lazarus, do you think he thought about life differently after death? This guy had been dead, all right? Dead like Rover, dead all over. And he comes back to life. Do you think his perspective on life was different from that day forward? Boy, I do. I think it was greatly different. And so can yours. Your perspective of life after you have been washed buried and resurrected in the waters of baptism, your life is different. You have a different perspective. You have a God who has set you free from the bondage of sin, which is a bondage of death. And I want you to know that this morning, and I want you to rejoice in that this morning, that just like Lazarus, you can live a new life, a free life, a life that doesn't hold you back, that doesn't restrain you, 
Paul talks about in the book of Ephesians. He says, in, in, in baptism, what we're doing is we're taking off the old clothes and we're putting on the new. And we see that lived out in this story of Lazarus right here. Jesus is your best friend not just now, but forever. And I hope that you benefit from that relationship in the most positive way, in the most biblical way and glorious way possible. Let's go to God in prayer and then the lesson will be yours. God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for the love and the mercy and the kindness and forgiveness that flows from the cross. God, I just thank you for the opportunity that we have to come to the foot of the cross today and to ask for forgiveness and seek your love. Help us to forgive <coughs> as you have forgiven, Lord. Help us to love as you love. God, we just thank you for the great sacrifice that your son made. Help us to never take that for granted and live, live our life in its, in its shadow every day. God, we thank you for your relationship with us. We thank you for the benefits of it. But God, we pray that, that we give just as much to the relationship as you give. But that's what we need to be about. We need to make it a two-way street, God, that we give and we receive and we give and we receive. And we pray that uh, the giving of our worship today has been um, found pleasing to you and help us to not leave it here. Help us to take it out and live it every day this week. Be with us. Strengthen us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community. Yeah.